We are in Deuteronomy, as was just read. And uh, as we jump into this, since I'm struggling to put words together, Jack Schwartz, who started off the service, said he'll jump in, finish my message. If I just stumble enough and fall, he's, he's going to preach for us, which could be interesting. It'll go to about 3 p.m., I'm guessing. <laughs> hey, Mother's Day, um, when we gather as a church, uh, I think it's important to name for some of you who come in today, Mother's Day is all about celebration, right? It's a good thing. It's beautiful. And to all of you, we say happy Mother's Day. I also know that when we say Mother's Day, for some of you, it brings up pain. It brings up loss. And uh, to those of you in that situation, we want to, as a community, say the grace and comfort of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. You are in our prayers today as well. So, hey, we are uh, in the whole this morning trying to talk to both parents and adults without kids and teens and college students and kids about what life looks together, what life looks like together so that we can be a church who sees our kids and our students grow up and go out into the world on fire for Jesus Christ. All the studies today are talking about how we are losing for Christ the next generation. And friends, I refuse to be part of a church like that. Can I get an amen? We will be a church that pours into, and this has been a church that has done that, that will pour into our kids. So, but the moment we say that, the moment we talk about family, the moment we talk about kids and students, um, it's a little more complex than it perhaps used to be. And let me give you an example of that. So check this picture out. What show is this? How many of you under the age, and by the way, first service, it was a lot louder. <laughs> How many of you under the age of 40 have seen this show? An impressive amount of people. Your parents parented you well. This is an old show. It's either at the beginning or the end it was. They would say, good night, John Boy. Yeah, yeah, we know. Classic old show, traditional sort of family setup. They're all, you know, paints a really rosy, pretty picture because that's how everything always is, right? Um, what family looks like. Here's another one sort of from my generation. What family is this? The Cosby's Huxtables. I grew up on this show. I mean, Cliff Huxtable had more amazing sweaters that, uh, absolutely amazing, but still a, a fairly traditional, at least what we saw, fairly traditional family setup. Um, absolutely brilliant show. Popular show today is this. What show is this? Modern Family. What's the name of the family? What is it? There we go. So this is a little more, and what I want to say this morning is when we talk about family, when we, let's keep this picture up for a sec, we talk about community, when we talk about pouring into our kids, we sit with this type of family a little bit more than we do the Waltons, right? And we want to say as a church community that this is sort of the norm of our day, and we're not trying to make any statement on anything here other than to say we want to see kids grow up to follow Jesus Christ, and we know family is complex today. So when I use those words, when I talk about family, understand that we are inviting everyone into what that community life looks like together so that our kids and students grow up to love and follow Jesus Christ. Often we will hear, and it's intriguing, the older I get, the more you sort of look back or you look at kids growing up and we make these big generalized statements of, oh, they're growing up in such a tough time. Things are so bad. And I want to also say, 
I think in every era of human history, you can make an argument that things are really bad, that there's pain and death and loss and moral issues, but you can also make a really good argument there is a lot of great opportunity. And I think as we parent, as we look at the world as followers of Christ who are trying to bring heaven to earth, we look at the world a little differently. It's just a different time. And for us adults, kids, for us adults, it's hard. And let me give you an example. So back in the day, simply back in the day means for those of us who are adults, when we were kids, it's a large, it's a few decades. But back in the day, when we were in school and we would have to write a paper, we used these books on a shelf. There was a collection of books on a shelf, right? And what were they called? Encyclopedia. Like literally, guys, we open books and there's an index in the back that we had to find the word and we had to look in it. By the way, I don't think they sell encyclopedias anymore. Now, when you're doing a research paper and you need that sort of encyclopedia type of information, where do you go? Wikipedia, which by the way, is just as dependable as the encyclopedias were. You can use it in, paper, in a lot of universities now, you can use it because it's just as dependable. It gives an idea that we are in a different time, not better, not worse, maybe in different ways, both sides of that, but it's a different time. And the question that we ask as a faithful community is, what does it look like to pour into our kids and students so they grow up to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength? And here's what I think too. I think that as we adults do that, not just with our kids, but with the community of children, our community, that God does something in us. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9 that was read before. Let me pray over it before we jump into it. God, pray that your word would point us towards the word, your son, Jesus Christ. Whether it's a five-year-old 45 or 85-year-old, God, I pray that you would draw us together towards your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Verse 4 says this, Hear, O Israel, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Sort of insert in your mind like that's Old Testament John 3.16. That's the epitome, that's the epicenter of what they believed and what they were about. Verse 6, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. It's important to be on your heart. Not just something you do, but on your hearts. That's where it starts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and gates. The first word here. The Hebrew word is Shema. And if you are a faithful Jew, this is the Shema. These, this teaching in the first couple of verses, Hear, O Lord, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. The Shema, you could essentially say, it was the center of what they believed for a faithful Jew. This was it. They, they were to be all about this. One of the things they would actually do is they would write it on a little scroll and they would put it in this little thing called a mezuzah. And then they would put the mezuzah above the door frame on the door so that every time they walked into the house, they were reminded that this was the deal. This is what they were supposed to be all about. It's intriguing. In the New Testament, when you get to Jesus, Jesus, when they said, what's the greatest commandment? It was agreed on. The greatest commandment is the Shema. 
Love God with all that you are. And Jesus does a crazy, radical, heretical almost thing. He adds to it. And the second is just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. It'd be like adding something onto John 3.16. You know, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him and votes a certain way and does this and that, and we do that. No! You don't add to John 3.16, right? For a faithful Jew, this was the heartbeat of what they believed, that if they could wrap their hearts around loving God with the entirety of their being, that God would be doing something in them. So a couple of things, and I want to give you two words before we hear a great story, but a couple of things just to notice about the text. First is this, that the Lord commanded his people to love him with all their heart, soul, with all their might, that obedience with his command, to his commands was all that they are, and it was centered around love. In the New Testament, we could start it with that God loved us while that we were yet sinners. Christ died for us, right? It centers first around God's love moving towards us so that we can then turn and love God back. It centers around the lo loving God and inviting all of who we are. Second thing is this. Lord commanded his people to meditate on his words. This one little teaching, it was talk about it everywhere you go. Put it on the doorframe, write it, put pictures of it when you're walking along the road. Meditate it, let it fill you. Often we think of meditation as that thing you do where hmm, get rid of everything in us. The idea of meditation in the Bible is to fill ourselves with the presence of God. And that there's a loving God who wants to be in relationship with each one of us. They were invited to meditate on it all the time. There was a prayer that would start off the day. There was a prayer that they prayed before they went to bed that reminded them of this. Talk about it when you're on the journey to walk to the fields. Talk about it when you're actually doing your work. Talk about it all the time when you're doing laundry. Meditate on it all the time. And the third thing is this. Parents were to teach these words. For sure the other commandments, but they, they all flowed from this. If their heart could be changed by this, all the other commandments would make sense. Parents were to teach their kids this command with diligence. It's intriguing in the Old Testament. We often see if this generation gets it, then this generation will get it, then this generation will get it. And remember what I said about family. It's a little different today. What does it mean to hand down a faith for, about a living God that is this big, that they were to do it diligently, intentionally, purposely, and press these things on their children so that they would grow up to love God as well with all their heart and soul and mind and strength. Teaching this was the most important thing. It was more important than your child becoming a Vikings fan. Not Broncos fan, Vikings fan. It was more important than school, it was more important than sports, it was more important than the right friends because if you could impress this on your children, then all of that would make sense. If they would love God with all that they were, this one God who had chosen and loved them. So with all that said, as we walk out of here, and let me give you two words. First one is this, community. A number of years ago, a president of the United States, his wife, made the statement, it takes a village, which is a great, great statement. 
takes a village. If you're around Crossview much, you will hear the language that every kid, every child, every student needs a sticky web. They need a whole realm of influence. They need their parents. They need family members for sure. But they need this whole realm of influence to point them towards Jesus Christ. We try and structure how we do kids and student ministries around here around that idea that we want to come alongside families of all kinds and help them see their kids grow up to follow and love Jesus Christ. I was thinking about my heritage. Grew up in a really good, not perfect, but a really good Christian home. And my parents, of course, pointed me towards Jesus Christ. But I was trying to think, who are the other people? I went to private Christian schools, so I had coaches and all that stuff, but it, it, there were some people that I thought about, and a couple of them were, were specific to our church. There was a guy named Mike DeVries. We lived in Colorado. I was in early grade school. Mike was a high schooler. He was the really good athlete, really cool guy, and he would take time at church to actually talk to a little snot-nosed guy like me. And Mike wanted to be a pastor, so that early thing I had of maybe wanting to be a pastor, like I, I saw the cool kid had it, and, and maybe that would be okay. And I still actually follow Mike DeVries online and listen to his sermons. Because there was something about the influence that he had on me that was huge. Remember when we moved from Colorado to central Illinois, which by the way, parents never move your kids from Colorado to central Illinois. Fifth grade Sunday school class. And I, I, I was racking my mind for his, his name and I couldn't think of it. Well, there's this guy who had been teaching fifth grade Sunday school for decades. And just humbly pouring, I mean, fifth grade Sunday school is not the coolest job in church. Love you fifth graders, but it's not the coolest job in church. But just faithfully in their lives, pouring into them. And as a young boy, I saw faithfulness to God that was profound. I remember watching my grandma as I growing up, I was growing up every year reading through the whole of Scripture. This faithfulness to God's Word. My one uncle who was a pastor, I remember seeing him preach and every time he talked about what God had done in Jesus Christ for us on the cross would just tear up in this passion for the gospel. The people would encounter a living God and what God has done. Kids, students, families, those of you without kids, we all need that sticky web, Amen. We need a community of people pointing, being with us, drawing us to Jesus Christ. Community is, is important, but it's only as important as what we talk about. This idea of conversation, the, the heart of this text gets at this. That we would consistently talk around that web of influence, especially when we are with kids and students, that we would talk about God. This loving God revealed in the person of Jesus Christ that we would talk about love and grace and forgiveness and repentance and we would talk about the kingdom of God. Even with our kids, they're not going to totally get it, but Jesus talked about it all the time. That that would be the conversation pieces we have. Remember back in the day again, once again, that's just a while ago, but back in the day when I was growing up, we always road tripped it. Anybody else road trip it growing up, like flying? That wasn't even an option. We are going to make a, a, a petition here at church that all family vacations for all of you from now on for all eternity, road trip, no flying, okay? But the beauty of road trips 
is we had a lot of time to talk about God. And we did. In between playing the alphabet game, we would talk about God. But it was important. It was huge. We sang songs. We memorized verses. Such so January, my, uh, I had a cousin whose husband suddenly died and I couldn't make it for, because of some obligations, but my three siblings, who are all adults with families now, they flew into Colorado. My dad picked them up and they drove up to Cody, Wyoming. And my, my one sister, they were, I mean, they shouldn't at their age and with their voices be singing all together, but they were singing some of the songs that we grew up singing about God. And she recorded it and texted it to me and I listened to it. And I, you know, almost tearing up because that was the influence of talking about God when you sit down, when you road trip, when you go to bed and you pray with your kids. We talk about it all the time because we want to point them towards Jesus Christ. And it's important to realize, it says impress it on their hearts. We're not about just telling our kids, do this, do this, do this, do this. And there's some of that. I get it. We, we need rules. But the heartbeat of this message and the heartbeat of the gospel, it's not legalism. It's not changing our kids or changing any of us from the outside in. That never works. That produces rebellion. That produces apathy. It's about changing from the inside out talking about the loving God and all, and all that God and Jesus Christ has done and being with them along the whole of that journey. 